This is a previously recorded episode. Views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. For listening to the Detroit Sports Rag Podcast. Simon Cowell, a broadcast. Plagiarized the work of a blogger, David Harnes. Now, what's going on with that? Where's my number? Sorry. It was condescending back. I had a few too many, and then just go home, and then just fucking, yeah. Is it true you sexually harassed a co worker uh, in the college newspaper? It's a Detroit sports website. Uh, I don't say this. This 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 puke isn't even worth being mentioned. The only time we should mention him is for his obituary. Except okay. no one will care when he's dead. We're talking to T. Foss, Terry Foster, ninety-seven-one. Uh, this guy got his hands into everything: failed restaurants, failed marriages, failed liquor licenses. This guy's an animal. I make good choices nowadays. Before we get started, Jeff Moore. Is that correct? Lawrence, you here to do the interview today or yeah. what's the deal? Yeah, no, I just... All right. Well, we, we, I'm sure Terry greatly appreciates that. The other thing is, you, you guys are racing hell out there in Detroit, aren't you? I, I, I've got some people telling me, you better I go on that show with those guys. Those guys are making everybody angry and getting them mad and doing stuff. So you're, you're creating quite a stir back there in Detroit. Welcome to the DSR podcast, the one-year anniversary of the uh, Detroit Sports Rags Association with Podcast Detroit, and it looks like someone's <laughs> order's up. Uh, the Detroit Sports Rag podcast, as always, even though I forgot to mention last week because I'm a fucking moron, sponsored by CaliTickets.com. That's Cali, going back to Cali, C-A-L-I, tickets.com. You can reach them at 877-225-8425 for all your ticket needs, not just in the Detroit area. If you listen to this podcast and you're a former uh, Michigander and you're in Chicago, I guess someone's fries are up. Dave, we'll get them to that. Dave <laughs> is here, not Jessica, and he's a little hot on the the bell. It toys. I got things I gotta yeah. play with. I got yeah. Yeah. Um we'll we'll discuss Dave in a moment, which <laughs> probably terrifies him. <laughs> but anyway, Kelly tickets, if you want wings tickets, lions tickets for whatever God, you know, knows why you'd want that. Uh concerts. Uh, I think John Oliver's coming to the Joe Louis Arena for a couple shows 
around New Year's Eve. Call my boy Mark at CaliTickets.com, 877-225-8425. That's 877-225-8425. And if you mention the Detroit sports rag, if you mention Ken Holland being an awful general manager, (laughs) if you reference uh, the fact that the Detroit Lions have won one playoff game in the last 59 years, anything you say that's DSR-related, you can mention... uh, I don't know, Justin Spiro not being the co-host of the show. Anything you say, DSR related, you will get a 10% discount. 10% off your ticket order. That show with the that show with the host that, you know, had a police report issued against them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why don't you call up StubHub.com and mention the fact that Andre Drummond can't shoot free throws and see what the hell they give you? Nothing. But if you call if you call Kelly Tickets, they will give you 10% off your ticket buy. Anyway, that's uh, I had to make up for last week forgetting to mention KaleyTickets.com, so we, we kind of did two uh, ads there. Anyway, as I stated at the beginning of the show, this is the one-year anniversary of the DSR podcast being here at Podcast Detroit. Whee! Which I think breaks any association that we've ever had with any other group <laughs> by 11 and a half months. <laughs> We usually burn our bridges pretty quick. Uh, I've had webmasters who – we've had two webmasters who I brought in to run the website who have hijacked the website. Two. <laughs> I, see, I never had that happen. I did have um, Lucasfilm actually steal two of my webmasters back in the day. Uh, oh, really? To go work George for Lucas? Them. Yeah, Lucasfilm, yeah. Were they responsible for Phantom Menace or uh, No. Uh, in fact, one of the guys uh, now is like, he's really out there, Pablo Hidalgo. Uh, he, I've heard that name. He's the guy that did uh, the characters. He did phenomenal artwork um, and got hired away by Lucasfilm. No, no, no. Yeah. See, George Lucas or J.J. Abrams or... Uh, Lawrence Kasdan, none of the above stole my webmaster. <laughs> my people got offended by content and then just hijacked the site and like took it with them. They took their they took their ball and went home. Did, did had they not met you before they took no, that they, over? They, read, they fucking were readers of the website. One was a reader of the website who liked the site and just volunteered his services. And then when something went south, he just uh, decided to delete the whole thing. And then the other guy, uh, I think his name was Stevie Guy. He did, he got he was upset because his payment was like a day late, and I was in uh, New Orleans for Hurricane Katrina, and someone else was supposed to pay him, and he like hijacked the site. So we haven't had good experiences with people who are associated. So the fact that we've made it a year here, <laughs> uh, I mean, all we had to do was add the disclaimer at the start of the right. show, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, we've had, I mean, other than like me blowing up at you at once because you like were like took two days to put the show on, right? And I like, well, and it's, and it's not you; it's your like, listeners. Well, it, it, I get a lot of pressure from yeah the listeners who want to show up five minutes after, and you guys have been great in the last you know two or three months. It's been up pretty much Tuesday yeah. night, so you've obviously I don't know if your wife left you. We have interns now. Oh, that's how it gets up so quick. Yes. Oh, so you deserve no credit at all. Well, I guess let's be clear. The, the interns just started Howard. two weeks ago. Oh, okay. So, yeah. But, yeah. No, we've been, I've been trying to stay on top because, honestly, no, I, I don't, don't want to hear from my people. Exactly. They're fucking lunatics. <laughs> Trust me. I, that's the only reason I get angry at you is, like, where's the show? Because I have 50 morons, like, bagging on me. Why do you even do the show there? What's the game? You know? So. But my whole thing, if it's so important to them, why, why don't they just listen live? Well. 
Because, I mean, they start nagging Listen, the minute you You want to start with them? We'll open up the lines. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be happy to call in. Well, but apparently they're not listening now, so they won't no, be the ones calling true. in. <laughs> that, that is true. So it's been a year. Now, I wanted, I wanted to play something for the people. Just so you know, we get – I come here. We were broadcast over in, in Royal Oak. We've got three beautiful studios here. We've got this nice setup. Uh, Jessica's usually here. She's got a family issue that she's dealing with. So Dave – co-proprietor of, of this joint. Well, I know she's much nicer to look at than I am, so yeah. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> so it would be a box of rocks. But, no. <laughs> but anyway, Dave is, is is producing, and which is fortuitous because it's the one-year anniversary, and I wanted to you know, thank him for everything here, that uh, they haven't sabotaged the show or got mad at something I said and just took it off the air without any notice. Not at all. Yeah, exactly, because you're, you're as psychotic as I am. But anyway, before we were here, we used to do podcasts. They had blog talk and they were – and by the way, there's plenty of discuss, but this was kind of prepared. Uh, there was breaking news with the Red Wings and the Tigers and everything else and we will get to that. And I think Spiro is going to call in at some point during the show. So we will – don't worry. If you're uh, tuning in at 5.09 and you're expecting me to go off on the news that the Tigers are supposedly cutting payroll, uh, we will definitely get to that. But I thought we should – Mentioned the one year anniversary, and I, you know, we've never really discussed this on a podcast. But so, I used to do my own podcast. I used to try to do the audio. I had a brilliant idea two years ago to do a Detroit Lions video cast preview of the season. Okay, preview of the season, and now you know my relationship with the Detroit sports media. <laughs> relationship is is I guess technically speaking, yeah. it's a relationship. Not yes. great. <laughs> Barely anyone talks to me in the media. They all hate me. I somehow landed three Detroit Lions beat writers to be a to be panelists on a podcast with video. I had this brilliant idea. I got now at the time it was Josh Katzenstein or Stein, I forget. Detroit News, uh, nice Irish boy. Uh, Dave Burkett at the Free Press and Kyle Minky. At MLive. I got all three of them to agree to do this. Okay. And they and I had the brilliant idea to do this at a Buffalo Wild Wings. I can already see opening night happening. on Thursday of the season. I found a couple guys that I think went to Wayne County Community College Wayne County Community College or something. Okay. To do the video and audio. I was told by members of the DSR staff, uh, Jimmy Petro, Spiro, this was going to be a disaster. They assured me, these guys, assured me there would be no problem with the audio whatsoever, <laughs> that this would be fine. We could do this in a busy Buffalo Wild Wings on the opening night of the NFL season, no problem at all. So this is kind of why I want to give you some props for the fact that we've done this for a year, and perfect audio, usually things go off seamlessly. This I want to play... The audio from that show. This was one of the biggest disasters in DSR history. Now, just just, just listen to this. This is what. This was after three people. Welcome to the Detroit Sports Rag. This is me yelling. Detroit Lions preview. My name is. Were you eighty feet away from the microphone? I was on top. This was a busy restaurant. I. They couldn't figure out the microphones. Like hooked up to the cameras or something. So they were just twenty feet away. This was. Picking up on the cam, the mic on the camera. Listen to this. David Burkett from the Detroit Free Press Lions beat writer. Kyle 
Dave's got to stare at me looking like I should be charging this guy more for studio time. You feel, I feel like Garrett Morris should be making an appearance during the Our Top Story tonight! First year on the beat, Detroit News beat writer Josh Katzen Steve. Well, and, and here's the worst part. Like, so we were just down at Kobo yesterday yeah. for the Cyber Summit thing. There was about a thousand people there, and we were out in the hallway, and uh, we recorded just fine. And, and in fact, we played some of the interviews You're that we did there. You're not two morons from Wayne County Community <laughs> College. Hold on. Listen, you can't even hear anything. Don't try to even put up your audio. You're not going to hear it. It's it's an amazing commercial for Buffalo Wild Wings and how busy they were. Well, they were packed. <laughs> they were jammed. <laughs> Listen to this. So... I mean, it was wow. em- it was embarrassing. I, I, I get these three guys. They worked all day long at the Allen, Fo- uh, Allen uh, Park facilities, came to do the show, and then that was the audio for an hour. An hour. By the way. That's horrible. <laughs> this was a li- – keep in mind, this was a Lions preview show. Right. Okay? When do you think a Lions preview show should go on the air? Uh, before the first game. That's that would be a good answer, Dave. <laughs> the Lions played two games before they gave me this. <laughs> two games. Were a I, Lions preview. I guess the important question: Were any of the predictions that you made during the show? Not that anybody could hear them. Uh, would it matter? But <laughs> were they at least right? <laughs> I don't remember. I was in utter shame. I didn't leave my house. I was hiding in my uh, my basement. <laughs> I'm the guy who rips on the media, and then I invite three media members, and you. This is. All right, I was with Okay, yeah, give I'll defend me here. I was with Warren. Two slap people. That's horrible, man. It's by the way, if you want to go see, you can. There's like three parts of it. If you want to see the disaster that this was, it's still on YouTube. It's still on my YouTube. Because well, why wouldn't you? Jeff yeah, Moss yeah. DSR. Uh, humiliating experience. Oh my God! I mean, we did Motor City Comic Con this year with. You know, 60-odd thousand people walking around on Saturday. And I, I can't remember if, if you uh, saw the booth or anything, but, like, we were right on an end cap, right by all the celebrities. So, I mean, we were pretty pa- – and we had the Activate Gaming gear with us. So we were – our even inside the booth was packed, let alone all the people walking by. And I think we had 12 shows that went live from Comic-Con and flawless audio. So, well, yeah. Yeah, well, we were two years a little too late. Yeah. By the way, where are the video cameras? I thought we were supposed to have video cameras. Actually, I had a meeting with those guys this week. Oh, okay. So That's, getting... I'm trying to get that handled out. We're uh, probably going to go with a three-cam system in each in each studio. So, Okay. We'll just, we'll just train uh, we'll train two at you and one at Jess. What was that? Uh... Well, it's a three-cam system, oh, okay. so we'll put two on you and one on Jess. That and... sounds like bad math, but <laughs> should put... Three on Jess? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no comment on where the, those three cameras should probably go. All right, so... Thank you for everything. Yeah, you're year. more than welcome, man. It's it's been a blast having you around. It really, really has. It's you know, like I said, a, a you know, a relationship born of a mutual enemy. Um, you know, when we had you on our show, uh, you know, talking right. talking about one of our favorite people, and then yeah, started talking about the whole podcast thing, and it has. I mean, it's it's been fun. Um, it's like I said, you you have proven yourself in my mind to be um, Yelp personified. 
because you, like you're never you're never medium about anything. It, it's either one star or five star. You're either really really happy with stuff, or you're hiring private investigators to dig up their deepest darkest secrets. So we will keep uh, your audio clean, and uh, we'll keep publishing them out there on a timely basis. That's yeah. that's our game plan. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, after the first break, we're going to get into the Chris Illich stuff um, and. Ken Holland's comments from last night and a bunch of other topics. There's one more thing I wanted to get into in the first segment, and that is the embarrassing amount of attention given yesterday to the final Red Wings home opener at the Joe Louis Arena. I'm not sure if you people saw this or not. But there was a red carpet laid out down there. I don't know. What is that? Jefferson over in front of the river there where the players walk into that condemned facility, that rat-infested, disgusting building known as Joe Louis Arena. They had a red carpet at 3.30 in the afternoon for a 7.30 game. There were losers... I don't know what else to call them. Standing on both sides of this red carpet, welcoming Jonathan Erickson and Luke Glenn Denning and Jimmy Howard to the to the arena. I don't know if the Red Wings paid these people, who these people were. Could you imagine how little life, Dave, you would have to have? To show up four hours before a mediocre hockey team's home opener in a building that should have been blown up years ago to watch the players walk into the building. I, that actually answers one of the questions. And this is that a I guy who spends yesterday. a lot of time at Comic Cons, folks. It, exactly, but that actually answers one of my questions from yesterday. Because like I said we were at Kobo, you know, do with the uh, the side oh, yeah, yeah, that right. was going on, and starting about like eleven o'clock in the morning. There were more and more people walking around Kobo with hockey jerseys. Like I was seeing a lot of Wings jerseys walking around. I'm like, for what? I'm like, don't you people have jobs? Like, what are you? What are you? What are you doing? What? <laughs> Maybe Donald Trump's right. Maybe the unemployment rate is closer to forty percent than four point five. I don't. Can we talk about Joe Louis Arena for a second? Now I understand. I've I've been there for Red Wings Stanley Cup celebrations. We've had my family's had season tickets since 1980. I was there last night for the home opener. Uh, I I would just my dying wish would be to be the one that holds the plunger and destroys that place when they blow it up. It's it's an abomination. It's a walking violation of every building code known to mankind. The steps are uneven, walking down to the lower bowl. There's oh, yeah. no railing. No. The seats that we sit in, which I don't know, you could you could probably buy a car now at this point <laughs> for how much they cost, the two seats. One of our seats has been broken for about seven years. Oh. We've been complaining about it. It's never been fixed. I mean, you literally, if you sit in that seat, you're basically – on the floor. It just collapses. I mean, there's no there's no support for it. When you I, I don't like if you walk in the the building with the the, the rocky steps, the five right. thousand steps. See, I don't do that. I walk in the, where the players come in, that's what I've been doing for twenty years, yeah. thirty years, whatever. Yeah, it's the been. back entrance with the, the elevator. The back entrance yep. with the elevator, 
We walk in there. I don't take the elevator. I go up the steps. 80% of the time, there's urine. Puddles of urine. Oh, yeah. In the especially maybe not before the game, but coming back, if you if you're lucky enough not to find your this building is horrible. Stop celebrating it. It's 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 an abomination to mankind. I don't care what memories there are there. You know, let's get the new building open as soon as possible. You know, and uh, troughs. They have troughs. <laughs> the, the pee trough is is one of the great accomplishments inside the Joe. And to your point, I mean, I've often said the city of Detroit in general, you know, even you know Joe Lewis or anything else, would be would make so much money if they would just sell raffle tickets for every abandoned building, house, whatever in the city. Um, just sell raffle tickets and then pull numbers, and winner gets to be the one to push the button. Yeah. Now you do that oh, for I, Joe Lewis, you can probably sell tickets you for fifty or hundred bucks a piece, probably. Yeah. By raising enough money, that place is <laughs> disgusting. And think about the buildings that we had growing up. Like when I was, this was a this was supposedly a new building in nineteen like seventy nine eighty. Let's say wasn't it built it was, around the same time as the palace? No, no, ten years ten years apart. Was it? But it was out of date the minute it was built. We had the Silver Dome, a complete atrocity. Uh. Tiger Stadium, which yeah, it was. Listen, Tiger Stadium was uh, a historical building, but try to navigate those concourses during a busy game. I mean, we had the worst, the absolute worst buildings, and then they built a new building, and it was worse than the, you know, pretty much all the other ones in the Jolos Arena. They built the damn place without a press box. They had to. Yeah. They had to. I mean, a who was the yeah. architect for this joint? It, it, it can't end soon enough, and the celebrations. I I just don't get it. For someone who's been to hundreds and hundreds of games there, I I just can't wait for it to end. You know, for a lot of people, maybe it's you know the uh, you know the old racist uncle that you know you're not you're not really proud of him. You don't really bring him out to family event. You know you don't you don't introduce your friends to him. Hey, he's still your uncle though. Does he you smell know? like urine? <laughs> it, it could. Is depending he rat on, infested? Depending on the time of day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's my that's my two cents on on that building. Uh, it's just it's got to go, and it can't happen soon enough. Speaking of the Illich family, when we come back from the break, we will discuss their two properties, uh, the Red Wings and the Tigers, and my position that we might have be in the most depressing era of Detroit sports during my lifetime. I. I don't know when I've been more despondent. If you asked me which team is going to win the next championship in this town, I would have no clue how to answer, nor would I be able to give you any timeline whatsoever. Up until a few hours ago, I thought it might be the Tigers, but uh, that doesn't seem to be happening. And if anything, they might be further away than they've been in a long time. If the plan to reduce payroll for a franchise that spent the last 11 years chasing a World Series, spending uh, copious amounts of money in that pursuit, and basically around, I don't know, 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it seemed like that era came to an end. I hope the Detroit Free Press and Detroit News have their Mike Mike Illich obituaries 
in the can uh, because I have a feeling you're going to probably need them real soon after the news that we heard today. Uh, we'll be back with Red Wings and Tiger stuff after this. Happy anniversary, everyone. This is a previously recorded episode. All right, we're back on the DSR podcast, the one-year anniversary show. We spent a lot of money and balloons. We got balloons in here and just festivities. It's all out madness. Yeah, it's crazy. That song, Everything's Ruined by Faith No More, was not just happenstance that uh, was picked out for today specifically because of basically the news that we've received from Illich uh, and Olympia Entertainment over the last couple days regarding their two sports franchises, the Red Wings and the Tigers. Uh, Because the juxtaposition of these two organizations is incredible. You've got the Detroit Tigers doing what the Red Wings should be doing. And the Red Wings doing what the Tigers should be doing. I'm I'm going to read you a couple of quotes over the last basically 20 hours from the general managers of the respective teams. This was a quote last night by Ken from Ken Holland to Bob Wojanowski regarding the Red Wings situation. Quote: I think these people want to put a team on the ice that's trying to win, don't you? Holland said, motioning towards the pack stands in the Joe. If we threw a bunch of kids out there and got thumped, we'd get booed off the ice. I'm trying to win this year to get in the playoffs for the 26th straight year. That was the short-sighted comments of the abysmal general manager of the Detroit Red Wings last night for the home opener of a team that while they have made the playoffs 25 straight years, this is what's occurred to them in the last five seasons. Finished third in their division, lost in the first round to the Nashville Predators 4-1. to Finished third in their division, Won one playoff series, the only one they've won in the last five years, and then lost to the Chicago Blackhawks, who ended up winning the Stanley Cup after being up 3-1 to one in that series. The next season, finished fourth in their division and lost a first-round series to the Boston Bruins four games to one. The next season, they finished third in their division and losing the first round to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And last year, as we all know, once again, finished third in the division made the playoffs on the last day because the Boston Bruins choked. It's the only reason the playoff streak's still alive. And then lost four games to one to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Five years, one playoff series victory. And that's what Ken Holland thinks is acceptable. Now, juxtapose that with what we heard today from El Avila. When asked by the media what he would tell a fan, it 
if they should expect to make the postseason in 2017 after two, thousand, two years missing out on the postseason? What would he say? Quote, that's our hope. So you have a Detroit Tigers franchise, which we found out just a couple hours ago, that is supposedly going to slash payroll. And don't call it a rebuild. Al Avila still hasn't figured out what it should be called. But you have a Tigers team that we were just told a couple weeks ago when Brad Osmus came back to be the manager for the fourth year, that it wasn't fair to judge him on 2016 because they had so many injuries. Jordan Zimmerman was out for most of the year. J.D. Martinez missed a good chunk. Cameron Maben wasn't healthy for, a, for, for large stretches. They lost Jose Iglesias at a key point of the season. I could go on and on. We were sold that you can't judge Brad Osmus on missing the playoffs in 2016 because of all these injuries. And if they weren't for these injuries, instead of missing the playoffs on the last day of the season, they probably would have been in the postseason. Okay, so if you want to sell us on that, that this team, with all of these injury problems, to their starting right fielder, to their number two starting pitcher, to their third baseman from basically early August until the end of the year, this team would have made the playoffs and could have been a World Series contender if not for all of these injuries. That's what we were told. So you would think coming back in 2017, if you got lucky with health and you had further development from your three rookie starting pitchers, Norris, Fulmer, Boyd, that this team would be a World Series contender. You don't need to add anything at all. Just pray for health. But that's not what's going to happen. We are being told, we are being sold by Al Avila today that major changes need to occur, that trades have to happen. The team has to get leaner. Why? 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 How can you tell us two weeks ago that this team would have been a World Series contender if not for the injuries, and then 14 days later, Tell us that we've got to make all of these monumental changes. What happened in those two weeks? Well, nothing happened in those two weeks. We all know this. The DSR has been reporting this for months. Justin Spiro, who will probably be on the show in a little while to discuss uh, this situation, with his, based on his information from his source inside Comerica Park, Mike Illich is dying. And Chris Illich is running the show. And Chris Illich doesn't give two flying fucks if this team wins a World Series. It's not his priority. He doesn't care. His priority is Little Caesars and the district. The area around Little Caesars Arena. Now granted, the Tigers of the last few years have been losing money. There's no question about that. 
I'm guessing somewhere around twenty twenty five million a year they lose. And and I sent out a tweet today because I'm not the greatest at math. And I said, you know, for a family, the Illich family, worth the last time I read, five point eight billion dollars. How much is twenty five million dollars a year for a family that's worth five point eight billion? And if you make sixty five thousand dollars a year, that's that's just trapped in the couch money, Jeff. It's it's basically the cost to sponsor the DSR softball team. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I had I had people uh, with math backgrounds. About eight or nine people all gave the same answer. They said it was about two hundred and eighty dollars. Mm-hmm. Two hundred and eighty dollars. I watch flies fuck for two hundred eighty dollars. <laughs> and I'm not the wealthiest person in the world. That's what Chris Ill- Chris Illich is is going to. Supposedly, he wants to lower payroll. From what I've heard, by thirty million dollars a year. So the team at least operates. Uh, at a break even point. Can you imagine? By the way, while $25 million sounds like a lot of money to you and I, and forget the fact that they're worth over almost $6 billion, these are the same people who took $250 million from the city of Detroit's emergency fund to help fund Little Caesars Pizza Pizza Arena. But it creates jobs, Jeff. Yeah, jobs that were supposed to be for Detroiters, which we found out last week, uh, aren't being manned by Detroiters. That's 10 years. Okay, so if you lose $25 million a year, you were given ten uh, $250 million. That's 10 years right there that you've been given. And the other thing is, this is so nebulous, what we were told today. Because what does any of this mean? Al Avila wasn't really specific on anything. I'd almost rather him just say, yeah, we were told. We got to cut the payroll down to 170, 175 million. We're not paying the luxury tax. We're cutting it through. I'd like to know that. Instead, he gave waffling answers. They said, you know, is the payroll going to go up? No. Well, does that mean the payroll is going to go down? Well, that's what usually happens if a payroll doesn't go up. Not to mention the fact that the people, the media in attendance were handpicked by the Tigers. Tony Paul tweeted out that he wasn't invited. That he couldn't get into this shindig. But Brad Galley was there because I guess there was no Harry Potter film festival at the Birmingham Theater today. Or he's all caught up on Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show replays. Or Taylor Swift wasn't going to even have a concert on Yahoo. This fuck is there? And Tony Paul can't get in? Brad Galley. We live in a town where the teams pick the media that can come there. Now, I understand you want to keep poor Joff mess out. I get that. But Tony Paul, he works for the Detroit News. He can't get in? Well, they didn't want him there. They wanted a bunch of sycophants who were going to take this information in and then sell it to you people. 
Lynn Henning, Chris McCoskey, Anthony Fenech. They didn't want Tony Paul there asking the question, which I haven't seen anyone pose. Which Illich dictated this? Nobody asked that. Of course we know the answer, but it should be on the record. I don't know if Mike Illich is in hospice or where he's at. But trust me, he was miles away from this decision. And to sell us on the fact that after last season, when they handed out a hundred and some million dollar contract to Jordan Zimmerman, another eight-figure deal to Justin Upton, threw money around like it was confetti, giving Mike Pelfrey two years. Why? There was no competition for Mike Pelfrey. This franchise never knows where it's going because it's been based for years on Mike Illich's perilous health situation. And the man has cancer. And if you had any doubt left that it was Chris Illich who ordered the Doug Fister trade a few years ago to the Washington Nationals to cut payroll just moments before the Tigers put pen to paper on the Joe Nathan contract, uh, please, I want to hear anyone disagree with that because I talked to someone who will go unnamed in the media today who said this has been years coming and only miraculous health recoveries by Mike Illich staved this off as long as possible. So while the Cleveland Indians are on the verge of getting to the World Series one year after the Kansas City Royals won the title, we have to sit here today on October 18th, 2016, with the potential of AL Central rivals winning back-to-back World Series, while 11 years of payroll expenditures as high as they've ever been in this town, Cy Young winners, ERA winners, MVPs, free agent signing after free agent signing, like Prince Fielder. And we've got nothing to show for it. And not only do we have nothing to show for it, if the Indians win this World Series, which they might, the Tigers will be the last team in the American League Central to have won a World Series. The Twins have won it since. The White Sox won it in the aughts. And now in back-to-back years, the Indians and the Royals on a sliver of the payroll of the Detroit Tigers are going to win it? And this is the time where Al Avila and Chris Oates come out and tell us we're going to slash payroll? I made a joke last night that if the Indians win the World Series, I am going to periscope my suicide. If you see me on Periscope getting into my car and not opening the garage, call the West Bloomfield police, please. And you wonder why before the break I said this might be the most despondent era in Detroit sports in the 44 years I've been on this planet?
Does anyone have any faith that if Avila has been given marching orders to reduce payroll, that this is going to be done surgically and efficiently? Because if you were going to do this, if someone came to me and I was magically the general manager of the Detroit Tigers today, and said you had to lower payroll by 25 to $30 million, there's one easy way to do it. It's simple. You've got one player on that roster who makes $28 million and who's coming off a season with a 6.6 baseball reference war. A gentleman whose value will never be higher than it is. And that person is Justin Verlander. And while I don't want to trade Justin Verlander, if I've got a Glock to my temple and I've got to do something to slash and cut $25 to $30 million, it's a no-brainer. You put Justin Verlander on the market, start accepting offers for him, and you get the next package of Norris or Fulmer or whatever. And this couldn't have come at a better time because go look at the free agent starting pitching market. There, There isn't one. This isn't David Price last year or Max Scherzer the year before. It's a vast wasteland. And... For all you people who think Verlander's contract is so odorous at this point, it's not. He's got three years left at $28 million per. He's got to finish, I think, in the top five of Cy Young balloting in his last year to get an automatic option for $22 million in the fourth year. But I'm sure if he finishes in the top five at the age of 38, I don't think any team's going to be upset to give him that $22 million for the next year anyway. So you've got three years at $28 million basically. And I'm going to give you a little math right now. I'm going to learn you something right here, Anthony Jeselnik, TM. Basically, Fangraph states that every win above replacement right now in this market is basically worth $7.7 million. So if a guy's got a war of one, you should be basically paying him somewhere between seven to eight million dollars. Justin Verlander's war was six point six, which means his value in terms of war versus salary in two thousand and sixteen was about fifty million dollars. If you extrapolate that out to earn to make to make it worth a twenty eight million dollar contract, he only has to basically have a war of between 3.7 and 4, somewhere around there, depending on, on how much you think, you know, Fangrass or whoever, baseball reference, how much their war, how much a one uh, war is worth. He's got a lot of value. You don't think Dave Dombrowski might be interested in Justin Verlander for three years at $28 million per, or the Los Angeles Dodgers, or the New York Yankees? All three of those teams have very, 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 very good farm systems. 
And you just saw what happens when you make excellent baseball deals for prospects with Norris and Fulmer in 2016. If you could get another couple guys, maybe a starter and a position player, under team control for the next six or seven years, for Verlander, that would be the way to do it. Now, do I have? Do I think that the Tigers are going to trade Ver, Justin Verlander? No. It makes too much sense. I, I don't think there's any chance because they're going to view this as a business decision, not a baseball one. Well, we can't turn off the fans by trading Justin Verlander. We can't do that. We can't put Miggy on the on the uh, market. Now, I'm not even going to get into trading Miguel Cabrera because I'm not sure what the market for him would be because his, his deal is odorous, and you probably have to eat money to trade the guy. That ain't happening. But Verlander is a valuable commodity. And if we've got to go through this austerity program, which we don't want to, that's the move to make. And it's not going to happen. So what's going to happen? I'm guessing we might have seen the last of J.D. Martinez, Ian Kinsler. They're waffling on Cameron Mabin, bringing back Cameron Mabin. It's only going to cost $8 million to bring back Mabin. He's got a $1 million buyout. And it's $9 million to bring him back. So that's 8 mil. Please tell me where you're going to find a center fielder for $8 million who's going to give you the production of Mabin, even if he has the uh, health issues of Samuel L. Jackson in an M. Night Shyamalan movie and Rodney Peake combined. He's still worth $8 million. Because go back to my Fangraphs equation of a one war being worth $7.7 million. So who do you think you're going to get? You ain't getting Willie Mays. And they're debating whether or not to bring K-Rod back? That's a $4 million decision. Because I think his contract is $6 million and he's got a $2 million buyout. I love Justin Verlander. I've defended him even when he was going through his rough patches. Thought he'd come back. But that's the move. That's the move. And it's not going to happen because of other factors. I got news for you, Chris Illich. You're already going to lose a lot of season ticket holders by making this announcement. Especially when we get the word out there that basically this is about $300 for your family. I'll have t-shirts made up. I mean, seriously? You couldn't even wait for the old man to kick it? You couldn't wait for him to die to do this? We knew it was coming. We knew it was coming the minute he was gone. We didn't know it was going to come while he was still alive, which I... Can't imagine what health situation is in if you are doing this, and why not just in, if hey, if you're going to kill the man's dream, why don't you just do what we all know that you're going to do, and put the team up for sale? I was told by someone in 
in your facility today. There is no fucking way that you're keeping this team when he's gone. Well, you're treating him like he's already dead by reversing what he wanted, what he desired, based on we we know what he wanted. Because he went out and signed Jordan Zimmerman, Justin Upton, got Mike Pelfrey, added uh, K-Rod. We know what he wanted. He wanted to win a World Series more than almost anything in the world. And you just pissed all over his grave before you even put him in it. So sell the team. We know that's what you want. Put it on the market. Just do it now. I don't know if Mike can still read a newspaper, but when he gets the free press, just cut that part out. Like they do to, you know, people who are sequestered on juries. Just cut it out. You've got scissors. I'm sure Mike's not on an iPad, I'm guessing. The Indians are about to maybe win a World Series, and we're talking about the Tigers slashing payroll by $30 million, potentially. Heather Derry is going to get it hard tonight. I can tell you that. Chris Illich. (sighs) Fuck you. You villain. Sell the team. I know where Mark Cuban's going to be tomorrow at this time. He's going to be at the debate. Maybe your Democratic U of M trustee sister, who's been kicked out of the family business, maybe she can get in to that debate. Maybe she can, you know, start talking about uh, maybe selling the team to Mark Cuban. You don't want it, sell it to someone who will care. Because we have gone through a decade plus of dick teasing. And we found out basically three hours ago that we're never going to come. Depressed? I haven't even started. Because let's get into the Red Wings. And get back to that quote from Ken Holland. Because how can these teams be run so divergently? You've got a team that is on the verge, who a competitive team in 2017. A team that could win a World Series with the right tweaks and with a little luck. Announcing today that they've got to make major changes to the to the product. You've got a hockey team owned by the same same guy, and I'm going to say guy because I'm not the Detroit sports media. They're owned by Chris Illich now. Mike Illich, for all intents and purposes, is dead to you. It's Chris Illich's show. And Ken Holland is saying, I think these people want us to put a team on the ice that's trying to win, don't you? If we threw a bunch of kids out there and got thumped, we get booed off the ice. I'm trying to win this year to get in the playoffs for the 26th straight year. 
Can you imagine that these two franchises are owned by the same people? The Red Wings have no chance at a Stanley Cup. Do you know who told me that? Ken Holland this offseason. This is the team that needs the youth movement. This is the team that needed to trade veterans for younger players. And what we got instead was Steve Ott, a 33-year-old this year, Franz Nielsen for six years. Four more years of Darren Helm, a guy who's never scored 40 points or never had thirteen goal, uh, more than 13 goals for almost $20 million for f- five years. This is the team that needs the youth movement and a payroll reduction. Instead, we're served with a garbage product, a not an entertaining product. For a team that's spinning its wheels, that's running in quicksand, that's going absolutely nowhere. But we've got to make the playoffs for a 26th straight year. So we can lose in the first round again and be home by April 15th to get our taxes done. It is absolutely shocking to me what is going on in this town. And Ken Holland wants to state that his only option is either doing what he's doing or a total rebuild. The guy went with his kids aren't the answer bullshit again. This week. I've never had pains like this before. Oh, this is the worst one I ever had, son. Oh, it's the worst one. This is a big one. I'm dying. You hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you, honey. He claims, and I quote, we're going to hurt those kids. If they get here and they're not ready for this and they lose their confidence and the coach loses his confidence in the player, now what? I'm a big believer that the AHL is the best development league. We're trying to win tonight. I don't want to just play the game tonight and throw out a bunch of kids and we might not win. What's going on here since the early 80s is we're trying to win. We're trying to put a team on the ice. We're going to hurt these kids. This is the man who has done nothing but disparage his youngsters, for the last couple years now. He's allowed his fellow executive, Jimmy Devilano to bash Anthony Mantha. He's allowed his coach to criticize Andreas Athanasiu. He himself has downplayed Anthony Mantha's success in Grand Rapids. And now he's worried about their psyche? Maybe you should stop taking them apart in the media. I wonder if that's affecting their mental capacity. And this straw man argument that this team couldn't have done a rebuild on the fly is the most infuriating. Because over the last couple years, 
Nobody said to tear it all down. What's there to tear down? It's not like you have a Verlander or a Cabrera that you could trade for commodities. Do you think anybody wants Cronwall or Erickson, you dummy? But what you could have done is trade similar players for guys who you could have replaced them with that were younger than them and cheaper. What you could have done a few years ago when Valtteri Filppula was a pending free agent and you had Thomas Tatar scoring a goal a game in the AHL playoffs leading the Grand Rapids Griffins to a Calder Cup is you could have traded Valtteri Filppula for a first-round pick. You went on Toronto Radio, Ken Holland, and stated that you had offers for Filppula for a first-round pick, but that you weren't going to do it because you were trying to make the playoffs. It might have helped to rebuild on the fly trying to make the postseason while trying to get better for the future if you would have traded number 51 for a first-round pick and called up Tatar, who could have easily replaced Philpola's productivity. It would have helped if you didn't give a first-round pick up for Kyle Quincy, a man that you had released and waived a couple years prior. It might have helped the rebuild process if you would have used Riley Shahan as a Justin Abdelkader replacement and let someone else pay Abdelkader $30 million ridiculously. You might be in a better position instead of trading Pavel Datsuk's dead money to the Arizona Coyotes and then wasting it on Helm and Van, well, not Vanek, but he was cheap, and I never criticized that deal, but Ott, and maybe even Nielsen, eating that money and taking Jacob Chikrin, an 18-year-old defenseman who in his first 10 minutes in the NHL on Saturday evening had a assist on a beautiful play by a defenseman Moving up the ice on a breakaway. 18 years old, Jacob Trickren. The guy at 16 you could have had if you didn't trade Datsuk. 18, he's five years younger than Ryan Sproul. 18 years old. And after one game, Jacob Trickren has two less career points than both Xavier Ouellette and Ryan Sproul combined, and those two are 23 and have been your top defenseman prospects for how many years now? And Jacob Chikrin is in the NHL three months after being drafted, and you fucked that up too. How can you look at these two organizations with anything other 
than distrust and distaste right now. It's hard to even fathom. Red Wing fans are begging Ken Holland. Begging him to go with a youth movement. And he refuses. And I've been told part of it is because Chris Illich wants that playoff streak continued no matter what. And if you continue to make short-sighted moves to slip into the postseason on the last weekend of the season every year and then get eliminated in the first round, how are you ever going to compete again for a Stanley Stanley Cup championship? How is it going to... How? Please give me the formula where the Red Wings are a Stanley Cup contender anytime in the future if you continue this pattern. It's not going to happen. I don't have any shoelaces, Dave. Do you? <laughs> no, I'm wearing sandals. Oh, um, and, and I do. I'm I'm tired of hearing about the streak. Uh, like I'm a hockey fan. I mean, that's that's my whole thing. You know, it's yeah, maybe wings a little bit by geography, but I, I I'm tired. I'm I'm done with the streak. I want them to lose. And you know, for three years now, I've been at least I've been saying I want them to shell it and blow it up. I, they didn't. Even, now they've got to blow it up. They've got no choice. Well, and, but in the last couple of years, they really didn't. They could have made wise moves. You could have traded Nike. You had Nyquist and Tatar. You could have traded Nyquist for something yep. and kept Tatar. You have these options. Tyler Bertuzzi could be on this team. Anthony Mantha should be on this team. You know, they keep saying throwing these guys out there and we're just going to lose. Well, you're telling me that Jonathan Erickson is that much better than Xavier Ouellette or Nick Jensen? Well, and or Nick Cronwell at this point in his career is any better than Ryan Sproul? You have that little faith in your prospects that you've brought through your system. And, and what group? does that tell you? Yeah, it tells you that you're that there's another chink in your armor that somewhere along the line you're not developing these guys. Because I said last week with Prashant Iyer on the show, you had five top fifty prospects a year and a half ago, and only one of them is on your roster right now. So what are you doing? These guys had value at some point. All right, I've had enough for now. I don't know. I, I <laughs> <sighs> completely aggravating, and you know, I, I don't think the Red Wings are going anywhere. They've got t- too much tied up. Uh, I was reading in the Detroit News that there's fifty odd projects for two billion dollars going on around the district, which is the area around Little Caesars Arena. I think that's the legacy. The legacy of Mike Yolich is going to be that arena, the shopping and everything around it, the business school that's going to be named after him from Wayne State, the new Little Caesars building that they're, the facilities that they're going to put for their home office, yeah. their headquarters. That's that's the, that's the That's Mike Yolich's legacy. As this, as his children see it, the Tigers have nothing to do with that. So fucking sell the team now. This is a previously recorded episode. 
Well, this has been a depressing anniversary show. Hopefully all of you are still out there. Nobody's picked a lake. <laughs> Insert anniversary joke here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, so a few weeks ago, I posted an article in the DSR. Uh, it was my 25 most hated Detroit sports athletes of all time. And it was only – we only considered, you know, people who played for the Wings, Pistons, Tigers, and Lions. And thinking about the last segment, he's not, he's not an athlete, but based on his decisions to slash the Tigers' payroll, uh, basically in lockstep with Ken Holland, trying to extend this meaningless – idiotic, counterproductive playoff streak. Chris Illich is rocketing up the chart. If we had a list of most hated executives, owners, managers, yeah, obviously Matt Millen would be at the top of that list. I would have Jim Leland high, you know, based on my feelings of his, his work. But Chris Illich would be in the conversation. Chris Illich, if he, depending on when he sells the Tigers, might end up going down as one of the most loathed Detroit sports characters of my lifetime. The guy is is moving towards number one with a bullet. The number one hated. Athlete, as voted on by me, a committee of one, was one Grant Hill. And to end this this program tonight, we will discuss Hill because he made news last week. When he suggested that it was his desire... For the Detroit Pistons to retire his jersey. When I first was told by a follower of mine via email, uh, I thought someone was fucking with me. Grant Hill wants his number retired by the Detroit Pistons. Now I know that there is not an there is no extreme vetting being done by the people at the palace for retiring jerseys as pretty much anyone who's ever slapped on a uniform seems to get that designation. Vinnie Johnson's number is retired by the Detroit Pistons. Vinnie Johnson, career backup. Now, I know he was a key member of championship teams, but he was a backup. And his jersey is retired. The Pistons are retiring Richard Hamilton's jersey this year. The same Richard Hamilton who a few months ago on this show, Eli Zaret, who was working for the Pistons at the time, told us that Richard Hamilton offered to double Eli Zaret's yearly salary working for Fox Sports Detroit 
if he would go on the air and call for John Kuster's job. Richard Hamilton, who led boycotts of shoot-arounds and who whimpered and whined for the remaining years of his Pistons career after the Chauncey Billups trade, as bad as that was, the malcontent Richard Hamilton is having his jersey retired. This team is not that selective about this. As I've joked about many times, Eddie Money, John Bon Jovi, and Kid Rock's jerseys are retired at the Palace. (laughs) Which is all preferable to the backstabbing, conniving Grant Hill having his jersey retired. Need I remind you, That this man, after six years, and let me read the quote by Grant Hill, because you're probably not angry enough about this program so far through the first hour and 22 minutes. Quote, that was always something that you would would look up there during the national anthem and think, man, one day I would love to be up there. Obviously things change and whatnot by leaving and so on. Obviously, things change and whatnot by leaving and so on. Is he by any chance related to the Miss Teen South Carolina, uh, the answer about Iraq with maps and such and so I forth? I have no idea. <laughs> I, but I'll put my six years, six years, I'll put my six years up there against anybody else's six years. Well, his baseline of comparison is Finney. So no, well, I don't know what his, his base. I don't know what he's thinking. You left the team. You were a free agent. Joe Dumars had built the organization around you. He kept your coach, George Irvine. He was making decisions at the draft because he thought you were staying, and you left town. And your next door neighbor, Joe Dumars. You didn't even have the common courtesy to walk over and knock on the door and tell Joe D you were leaving. How did Joe Dumars find out that you were going to the Orlando Magic, you sandbagger? Bob Wojanowski, by happenstance, was on an airplane coming back from the Orlando area, saw you, and the jig was up. That's how Joe Dumars, your former teammate, your GM, your supposed good friend, found out that you were leaving the Pistons organization. Ouch. Because you ran into Wojo in first class, supposedly, or wherever. I don't know where Wojo was. Probably can't fit in fucking coach. (laughs) And you want your jersey retired? Are you kidding me? You left to try to create a super team in Orlando, recruiting Tim Duncan. But Tim Duncan, who will have his jersey retired very shortly by the San Antonio Spurs, stayed, and you left, you scumbag. Please, please, 
please, I know you don't know a lot about the Detroit Pistons history, Tom Gores, because you were a Lakers fan. I beg of you, I implore you, do not retire this guy's jersey. He broke our hearts and left, leaving us for dead, and we had no idea what we were getting back in that sign and trade with Ben Walls. We had no idea about Grand Hill's foot injury. We had no idea we were going to end up winning an NBA title four years later. We knew none of that. Grant Hill backstabbed the Pistons organization, and it would be a total affront, affront, if you retired this guy's number. Quote, when I go to Detroit, it conjures up a lot of great memories. I think the thing that I enjoyed and maybe fully didn't appreciate is there's a sense of pride up in there in Michigan, particularly in Detroit. The city obviously has been through a lot, but when I was there, it was about pride and Detroit and anything from Detroit. To be a public figure, to be a celebrity, and be a part of that pride, I could feel it. And it was genuine love and appreciation. And you took that genuine appreciation and love and went down to Orlando, you fuckstick. Wherever I was in the suburbs in the city, there's just a love for the Pistons, Red Wings, and Lions. What is wrong with you? It was really cool to be that dude in that environment. When you're young, you don't really appreciate it and totally understand it. But I think when I look back, the impact makes me feel good. This guy is worse than Spiro when it comes to wanting everyone in the world to love him. It's a sickness. It's a disease. Please, Arn, tell him. Please, please, please do not retire this jersey. Because let me tell you, if the Indians winning a World Series a year after the Royals, while the Tigers are maybe in the potential middle of a fire sale, isn't enough for me to off myself. In a couple years, going to Little Caesars Arena to watch a Pistons game and looking up at the rafters to see Grant Hill's number 33 retired and Sergei Fedorov's number 91 not? I will kill myself on the Pistons logo at half court. Please, I beg of you. In a town where Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell's jerseys are not retired. And Fedorov. If you retire this dickbag's number, a man who went to Orlando and then when was hurt and the Pistons were down 3-1 to one in the 2003 playoffs versus the Orlando Magic, Grant Hill who had such affection for the people of Detroit, as he said in that quote, how it conjured up great memories, how he appreciated the pride. He told Tracy McGrady when it was 3-1, to one, going back to the Palace, ended in front of the Detroit fans because he wanted the Detroit fans to watch their number one seed lose to the Orlando Magic on 
the palace court in Auburn Hills. He said that to Tracy McGrady. He wanted to have you suffer. He wanted you to watch it. He didn't want it to happen when it was 3-2 to two back at the old arena. He wanted you Piston fans to firsthand see your team lose to an eight seed in embarrassing fashion. That's the guy who wants his jersey retired. That's the true Grand Hill. Are you fucking kidding me? What? I can't even click on a website anymore without just being told. Is the world conspiring against me, Dave? Uh, if by world you mean anyone in the Detroit sports media, yes. Uh, outside of that, I can't oh, comment. Okay. <laughs> this is this is just unreal. Unbelievable. Grant. All right, I'm going to end the show with one more thing. You might have known that. Uh, was it? I think two weeks ago this Thursday. Aaron Tellum, the Detroit Pistons, uh, basically czar of Palace Sports and Entertainment, former sports agent, one of the most successful sports agents in the world, left his agency, became uh, basically the number two to Tom Gores at the Palace. And he went to Franklin Hills Country Club. I'm going to give you the abridged version of the story because we talked about it last week, but something came up that I want to discuss. And he went to Franklin Hills, was interviewed by Dan Gilbert, and discussed the fact that it was his desire for Andre Drummond to shoot underhanded free throws. It's an amazing topic. Unsolicited. Nobody in the audience asked him that question. He did just riffing and brought up the fact that Andre Drummond refuses to shoot underhanded because his boys will make fun of him and he's too prideful and he's just not going to subject himself to doing that. Even though he shoots 35% from the from the free throw line, he's gotten worse every year from the charity stripe. The His answer is to use virtual reality goggles. But Arntelm told this assembled group, which was supposedly be was supposedly off the record, that it was at least his desire for Drummond to contact Rick Barry, the Hall of Famer who mastered the underhand sh- uh, free throw, the the best free throw shooter in the history of the NBA, Rick Barry, guest on this show a few months ago, and learn how to shoot underhand free throws now. We discussed last week how nobody in the Detroit sports media picked up on this story. They ignored it. It was very newsworthy. It should have been picked up, but nobody did. Our friend of the program and my, uh, um, who I join every Monday, Mondays with Moss, 92.1 FM in Lansing, the team, Ryan Schuling, who would have been on the show today but has a sore throat. He, uh, I think he injured his throat, his vocal cord, last Thursday at the DSR softball game uh, when he tripped over a divot, and I think he landed right on his throat. And that's probably what's occurring here. 
Well, he couldn't be on today. But he had, Ryan Schilling had, Detroit Pistons beat writer for the Detroit News, Rod Beard, on his show last Friday. And because Schuling is not a coward and is friendly with the DSR, he asked Rod Beard about my report. And I'm going to play you Rod Beard's response, and then I want to address that. And according to a Detroit Sports Rag article from about a week ago, Arn Tellum, who is the vice chairman of Palace Sports and Entertainment, saying that the team has requested that Andre Drummond at least try shooting free throws underhanded. Rod, can you follow up on this to any degree and whether or not the Pistons are going to pursue this with Andre, with Rick Barry, whoever else, or just let him kind of float and so far not so good? It, it seems like that's a no. That's a okay. definite no that that's not going to happen. And couldn't really get any kind of confirmation of what exactly uh, Tellum said in that in that form. I did try to ask a couple of questions and see if there was some were some teeth to that. But it's kind of a hey, it's a it was a different affair, we, and that's not the question he was asked. So you could, you couldn't really corroborate exactly what question was asked, what the answer was. I was told by uh, by one person that it was. He was, wasn't directly talking about Drummond when he said it's, um, it's not manly or it's not, uh, it, he's too much of a man to do it or whatever the context of that was in the report, that it wasn't exactly that way. So it's so hard to corroborate any reports like that because it's secondhand and thirdhand information and somebody heard and texted someone else and told them blah, 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 blah. But I think even if that is the situation, tell them's not even on the basketball operations side of it. So it doesn't mean as much unless it's Stan saying it or Tom Gore is saying it, then it has a little bit more teeth. But I think even if that is the, the thought that he's got to do something else. It's going to take a little bit more time to get that around to Drummond to say, hey, you shot 36% last year. If you shoot 33% again this year, hey, we might have to go down that road of you shooting underhanded free throws. And so there's there's something to it possibly, but again, from the, from our perspective and what we have, to, the, the sourcing and the, and the investigation and stuff that we would have to have to corroborate that, I just couldn't get to. All right. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. And first, before I get into that, I want to um, thank Rod Beard for two things. One, trying to follow up on the story because, to the best of my knowledge, nobody else did. And for addressing my questions on Twitter publicly about my story and whether or not um, he could find anything out about it. So I do appreciate Rod Beard actually asking the questions of people down there and not ignoring that the fact that this website exists. That's where I want to start. Okay, so now let's get to his comments. And basically, as you can tell, the Pistons were running some damage control there. They don't deny that he made comments about Drummond and free throw shooting, but they try to obfuscate you know, what he said and this and that. Now, I want to say something because – the first thing I want to address is that secondhand, thirdhand, someone texted someone. I, I want to address that because this wasn't just some fan of the DSR in attendance at Franklin Hills or some guy who just has some ancillary relationship to our website. This was someone who is one of our best sources. This is someone who works for the DSR. This isn't some nobody. Uh, this is the same person who was our Jim Harbaugh source. 
This is the gold standard of DSR sourcing. So it wasn't some random person sending me text messages or emails. This was a long-time 10, 11, 12-year DSR contributor telling me this stuff in real time, texting me exactly what Arn Tellum was saying. And as I stated previously, he Rod said, well, we weren't sure what question was asked or what context. He wasn't asked a question, Rod. He brought this up himself for whatever reason. In front of another NBA owner, mind you. The man who is the owner of the current reigning NBA champion. He brought it up. And he wasn't talking about anybody else's free throw shooting problems. I I don't know who the Pistons think they're fooling. Do you think he got up in front of Franklin Hills and was talking about DeAndre Jordan? No. This was all Andre Drummond-centric. And the stuff about, you know, you can read it any way you want, but hubris, uh, manly, not being embarrassed by shooting this granny style. That was all about Andre Drummond. And I appreciate Rod Beard asking the question, but the Pistons are doing damage control because this got back to Andre Drummond. And Andre Drummond knows it's true because Arn Tellum told Andre Drummond that he wanted him to contact Rick Barry, at least according to Arn Tellum's story two Thursdays ago at the Franklin Hills Country Club. So Andre Drummond knows this is true. The question now becomes that he raises, well, Rod says, you know, Arn Tellum isn't a member of the basketball operations. He's on the finance. Come on, please. You're going to go with that? Stan Van Gundy answers to this man. And I understand that he's not a coach or a GM, but he is a very, very, very high-ranking official. Only, in my opinion, probably below Tom Gores. And he is desirous of Andre Drummond shooting underhanded free throws. This is a huge story. And the Pistons basically confirmed he said it. Now, they want to maybe want to try to cloud the situation with, well, he wasn't doing this, he wasn't talking about that. Please. Our source is impeccable, and I was getting it in real time. This isn't secondhand, third-hand. This isn't a game of operator. This isn't he said, she said on an airplane first class with groping going on. I was being told Arn Tellum's comments as they came out of his mouth. I was in Lexington, Kentucky at a restaurant, left dinner early to go back to my hotel room to get my laptop so I could write the story. It's true. And the point about This not coming from Stan Van Gundy. We know how Stan Van Gundy feels about this. Because Stan Van Gundy said at the end of last season that everything was on the table, including shooting underhanded free throws. 
He even went as far to say as Andre Drummond was open to shooting underhanded free throws. That he hadn't closed his mind on it. Well, we know that's not true now. Because we have Arn Tellum telling us that he has refused out of hand to do it. It's not manly. He wasn't talking about anything else. He was saying what Andre Drummond had told the Pistons organization. I think Andre Drummond, let me see what Andre Drummond's, um, let me look it up. I I think he went 0 for 4 from the line the other day. I wonder if ESPN.com game logs have the uh, preseason games. Let's see what he's, yeah, they do. So here's Andre Drummond's free throws. Um, He went 2 for 2 the first game. Or no, excuse me, yesterday. Wow, 2 for 2. 0 for 4 the game before that, 1 for 3, and 1 for 3 before that. So he's made four and missed 12. That's 33% by my quick math. So he's four for 12 right now in exhibition, meaningless games that nobody's caring about or paying attention to. It looks like the virtual reality goggles haven't worked. So at what point... To Stan Van Gundy, Arn Pelham, Tom Gores, the dancing usher, Hooper, Minnie Hooper, the lady selling Saunders bumpy cakes. When do they all get together and have an intervention with this guy and tell him that you've got to shoot underhanded free throws? We will continue to press this issue. as long as he continues to shoot under 40% and refuses to do the one thing that he should do, no matter how prideful he is. So that'll wrap up the show. Thanks to our sponsor, CaliTickets.com. Once again, if you need any tickets, uh, you can call them. Let me pull up the number real quick because I don't have it memorized. 877-225-8425. Mention the DCR, get a 10% discount. Hope everything's okay with Jessica. Hope to see her next Tuesday. Three weeks from today. We all do. Yeah. Three, yeah. <laughs> you can't take it anymore in this room. Three weeks from today, we'll have an election episode. Because... Uh, and you'll actually see us again because, well, we have kids, so we're not doing our show on Monday night, so we're doing our show Tuesday night. Am I going to be relegated so we, to a backup studio? Uh, no, not at all. Oh, oh, yeah, you don't do your show too. Yeah, till like nine. Yeah. But wait, oh, is it? Wait, oh, Halloween? What? So we're not doing a, we're not doing a show on Halloween, so we're doing our show on the first. Oh, oh so Halloween? That's two weeks. Yeah, the elections in three weeks. Well, so but you'll you'll be here on election day, won't you? Yeah. I, where's Jessica? We have no chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, I should be here because like we're because we're we're all in. We're waiting okay. for the live as the reports are coming in that night. We want to be mocking incessantly. I, I have a feeling the election will be called at about two o'clock in the afternoon. In the afternoon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think exit polling will show. <laughs> just go home. It's not even worth voting. I, on the way yeah. here, and we'll end this because the guys from the undercard have to get in, and nobody wants to hear my politics. But 
I read that Trump was only up by three points in Texas. Texas. Yeah, if if you're Donald Trump and you're not carrying Texas. Listen, you come out – in Texas, you come out of the womb with an AK-47 unless you're in Austin. (laughs) Every other area in Texas. Well, or as long as you're uh, Caucasian, apparently. Oh, correct. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, Dave, for producing. And uh, that's the one-year anniversary show. I can't imagine anything getting more depressing next week unless we have to report that, you know – the Red Wings team plane crashed into a mountain or something. But other than that, it's got to uh, get better. It's got to get better from here. The Tigers were sold to the Fords. <laughs> All right. Now you're, now you're dead to me. Good night, everyone. This is a previously recorded episode.